Jesus came to give us resources to live effectively and productively. This message is the third in the series, A Big Christmas. The message is entitled, Jesus Gives Us Resources to Live. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. If you will, grab your your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we now turn our attention to God's Word to complete a series of messages I've been involved in for this Christmas season entitled, A Big Christmas. We're talking about the real meaning of Christmas. Why do we celebrate this thing called Christmas? For many people, it's just a, it's a holiday. It's time off from work. It's time off to hang out with friends or family and to eat lots of good food and do some interesting things just to have a break from regular life. But I'm here to remind us in this particular year, 2015, what Christmas is truly all about. And we should know as Christian believers the real meaning for Christmas, the real reason for the season. Why is it such a big deal? Why did over 2,000 years ago God send His Son into our world? And why do we celebrate that even today? So we've been unpacking what does it mean to experience the big deal of Christmas. And for the first weekend I talked about the fact that Jesus came from heaven to earth because He wanted to bring us back to God, that all of us are sinners and we walked away from God and we needed the way pathway back to God and Jesus is our way back to God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He gets you back in right relationship with God. Last weekend I talked about Jesus coming to inspire you to live your best life. There is a best life in each one of you that God made you for a purpose. He wants to bring that purpose out of you. He wants to inspire you to live for something bigger and better than yourself. He wants to inspire you to live for Him and to live for His kingdom and to utilize your gifts and capacities for the advancement of His kingdom on earth. You're you're to be inspired by Jesus. He wants to breathe that inspiration into your life. Today I want to talk about another aspect of why Jesus came. I want to talk about the fact that He came to actually give us everything that we need to live a fruitful life and to live a victorious life. Jesus came from heaven to earth so that your life could be fruitful and that your life could be victorious. Jesus came so that you could win and not lose. Jesus came so that you could be a victor and not a victim. Jesus came so that you did not have to live in defeat, but you could find great blessing and strength for your life and fruitfulness for your life. Jesus made this declaration in John chapter 15, verse number 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus said, I want you to understand why I'm here. Why did I come? Because I came as the vine and you are a branch. And as long as you're attached to the vine, that is Jesus, then there is life that will flow into you and fruitfulness that will be available for you. If you detach from the vine as a branch, there will never be any fruitfulness in your life. So Jesus came to be the dispenser or the resourcer of life so that you could be everything God intended for you to be. He's the resourcer, the one that enables you to bear fruit and to be victorious. The Apostle Peter talked about this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3. He writes these words out of his own experience with Jesus. He says, His, that's Jesus' divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Peter said, I've learned something about Jesus, that in Him I have divine power that will help me do anything and everything that I need to do in life. I can be victorious and I can bear fruit because Jesus worked in me. 
Paul talks about it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, that's through Jesus, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What do all these verses have in common? And how do they tie into the theme that we're talking about today? Jesus said, I came so that you could bear fruit. And as long as you're attached to me, your life can be fruitful. You can bear much fruit. Peter said, I've learned of Jesus that in him are promises. And in him we will find divine power that will live us to the fullest sense of the godly life that God wants us to live. And Paul says, I've learned that in Jesus we have all kind of promises that he's already said yes to. And if we'll come along and say amen to what Jesus has said yes to, we can experience these in our lives. So what I want to do for the next few moments today is I want to take you on a tour. I want to take you on a promises tour. I'm going to share with you six very important promises from Scripture that we have available to us in Jesus. This is why Jesus came, to give you promise for your life. And so I want you to join me on the tour bus today. I'm going to be your tour guide for the next few moments. I'm going to take you on a journey toward understanding six promises of God in your life. I can't take you through all the promises. We would be on a very long tour. But I'm going to take you on a short tour of six things that God promises you in your life. Number one, you've been promised in Jesus Christ life provision. Jesus has promised to provide you every resource that you will ever need in your life when you obey Him and you follow what I would call His provision principles. When you learn to live the Jesus way, you will be assured of every provision you need in life. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us an understanding of this promise of provision for your life. That's in every realm of life you will have provision, Jesus says. Listen to what he said about this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Think about this for a moment. We spend a lot of our time and energy worrying about stuff. We worry about, will I have enough? Will there be plenty for me? Will my bills be paid? Will I have the right things to wear and the food to eat and a shelter over my head? Am I going to be taken care of in life? And Jesus said, don't worry about those kind of things. And then he says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they. Jesus said, just take a look at the birds and realize that you never see a bird having a nervous breakdown. I sit out oftentimes when the weather allows me to do so on our patio and I watch the birds in our backyard. I have never seen a stressed out bird. I never have, okay? They're always whistling, always got a song going on. They're always praising God in some manner the way God created them to praise. And there's a sense of just going about life that a bird experiences. And Jesus said, I want you to live life that way. I want you to know that I'm going to take care of you. And just like the birds don't worry about what they're going to eat, they don't stress out about every day of their life. They know that there's someone taking care of them. There's an instinctual awareness of this in their life, and it allows them to live a life of peace. And he goes on to say, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? 
They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He says, let's take a look at the flowers. Look at the beauty of a flower. Who dresses the flowers? God dresses the flowers in great beauty. He adorns them in amazing colors. Look at a flower the next time you have the opportunity. All the distinctive dimensions of a flower. And God is the one that dressed that flower. And he's, they're dressed by God. And he says, I want you to think about the birds. They're not stressing out over what they're going to eat. And the flowers are not stressing out over what they're going to wear. God adorns them. And he says now in verse 31, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, that's those that don't know God, they run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Read verse 33 together with me. All the campuses. Here we go. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well Jesus says here's how you live life put me first live the right way live to please me and I promise you that everything else will be given to you attached to the vine and there will be fruit in your life Luke 12 verse 32 don't be afraid little flock he's talking to you and me for your father that's our heavenly father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The kingdom represents every supply of resource you will ever need for your life. Philippians 4, 18 and 19, Paul is writing from prison. I think that you would agree with me that in prison is not the greatest place to have a peaceful experience. But Paul is in prison for preaching the gospel. And note what he says as he writes back to these Philippian believers. He says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Paul says, you've sent some things to me and I really appreciate it. In fact, what you've sent to bless me while I'm here in prison is actually an offering, a fragrant offering to God. But then he says something in verse 19. And my God will meet all your, what's the word there? Needs. Paul says, I want to give you an assurance as well that just like God is meeting my needs, that my God will also meet all of your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Dear ones, I want you to know today that Jesus came from heaven to earth so that you could be brought back to God. He's our bridge back to God. So that you could be inspired to live your best life, but also so that you could have everything you need in your life to please Him and to be sustained in life. Jesus is the source of every resource in your life. The second thing that's promised to us on this tour of the promises of God, that we're promised from Jesus spiritual power. Spiritual power. A powerless life is a frustrated life. Many of us know what, what it's like to experience moments where you just feel powerless about something. And if we think about the Christian life, the Christian life requires power to live. You can't live for Jesus without supernatural power in you. It requires the power of God working in your life. You can't be a Christian without God working His grace and power through you. It would be like going to the auto dealership and buying a car and just saying, you know what, I love the car. Could we leave out the, the, the engine? No, you don't buy a car. Engines aren't optional, right? 
Because if you're going to drive the car, there has to be a motor, and there also has to be there has to be gasoline or fuel that will drive that car. And so you want something that can be fueled to go forward. And so the same is true for you and me. If we're going to live for God, we've got to have the engine given to us and the fuel given to us so that we can do what God asks of us. And the Bible says Jesus has promised He came so that you could have power from on high. Jesus came to give you an engine and some fuel to keep going for God. John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus said this, But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. He's talking to his disciples before he went back to heaven. Unless I go away, the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He's talking about the sending of the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He, speaking of Jesus, read the rest with me, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will put an engine inside of you with some fuel to go for God. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive, what's the word again? power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, I promise you, I'm going to send power to you. That word in the Greek language is the word dunamis that represents the concept of dynamite. That's where we get our word dynamite from, the dunamis of God. He says, I'm going to put an engine inside of you and fuel you so that you can go for God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. He's saying Christians understand something. When you received Christ, you received a great gift as well. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. I want to declare for you today that the promise of God to your life is that Jesus didn't make you engineless. He does not call you to live fuelless. Jesus came into your life to provide for you a spiritual engine and spiritual fuel so you can do everything God wants you to do in and through your life. You are powered up and ready to go. There's power in you. The power of the Holy Spirit. Now you have to learn to receive that and be filled with it and live in the fullness of that. But it's available for every Christian. Thirdly, Jesus has promised to give you instructions for living. Life's hard to understand at times, isn't it? Trying to figure stuff out. You know, we didn't come into this world pre-wired with with knowledge and pre-wired with wisdom to live successfully. We have to be educated. Just like every little kid that's born, they have to be educated from the time they start, uh, they come home from the hospital, you're, they're starting to learn and gather information and parents begin to teach them certain things. Then there's a period of time when it's time to send them to school and they go off for their formal education. Why? Because that baby needs to learn and parents understand the value of education, the importance of it. Well, the same is true for you and me in our spiritual journey. We need to be educated. We are born again into the family of God as baby Christians, little bitty babies in Christ. We don't come into our our faith in Jesus fully grown. We have to learn. And to learn, you have to have a teacher. And Jesus promised to be our teacher. Now, he uses other people to teach us along the way, but he is our master teacher. I want you to know today that you have a teacher in your life that will teach you how to live for God. He will instruct you along the way. 
But you have to listen. You have to lean into your teacher. You have to pay attention to the instruction the teacher will give through his word and by his Holy Spirit. But there is a teacher available for you every day of your life to spiritually instruct you. In John chapter 16, verse 13, again, we're taking a tour of the promises of God. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, again, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. He will guide you. He will direct you. He will teach you. He will lead the way for you will experience all truth. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit is that teacher in us that Jesus has provided. Acts chapter 20 verse 32. Now commit you to God and to the word of his grace which can build you up. That is build your life. Make you something that has substance and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. There's a promise that the word will build you up. Make your life strong and steadfast. In James chapter 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. What is the promise of God for your life, dear one? The promise of God for your life is that you have a spiritual instructor living with you 24 7, 365. I am so thankful that I've got the teacher living inside of me. Amen. Number four, your promised spiritual protection. Boy, I'm glad Jesus came, aren't you? What, a, what an amazing thing that Jesus came from heaven to earth to provide these things for us. We have spiritual protection. I think most of us are very much aware of the dangerous world in which we live. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff that goes on around us in the natural world. We're living in an age of terrorism, and many times we are faced with that as we were just a few weeks ago here in our own nation. There's this, this amazing, this incredible fear that many times we're faced with when we see things like this happen in Paris or San Bernardino and we feel these kind of emotions on the inside and we feel kind of vulnerable. Sometimes we don't feel very protected. But I want you to know that there's a, there's a greater danger for your life than terrorism. The greater danger in your life actually is a spiritual enemy called the devil. Because terrorism may never really touch your life and I promise the devil is after you every day. Every day of your life, there's a target on your back as a Christian, and the enemy wants to come and, and direct your life away from God's word and direct your life away from God's ways and will. There's an enemy that comes after you. It's a dangerous environment that we live in spiritually. And I just want to remind you, I want to warn you about that to make you aware of that reality. But the good news is this. Jesus came to provide us the spiritual protection we need in a very dangerous spiritual world. Even though there's an enemy that comes after you, you don't have to live, live in fear because Jesus is in you. Okay? Jesus is in you. He can protect you. He is your guard. Now, to experience Jesus as a guard, you've got to hang tight with the guard. You can't run from the guard and expect the guard to be there with you. You've got to make a commitment to say, I'm going to stay tight with Jesus. But Jesus is there to guard your life. When Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us a number of different things that we need to include in our regular prayers to God. But one of those things that he mentioned is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. He said, pray this way and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus said, when you pray every day, Ask God this. God, would you please keep me away from temptation today? Don't let me fall into any of the traps of the adversary. 
And Lord, I'm asking that you would also deliver me, guard me, protect me, keep me, rescue me from the evil one. Why did he teach us to pray that way? Because in that, in that instruction for prayer is also the promise that he would provide what he asked us to pray for. Romans 8, 31 through 39. I love this passage. One of my favorite passages in the book of Romans. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Scripture says that Jesus is praying for you. There's no prayer partner like Jesus. He is the prayer partner of your life. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now notice these words. For I am convinced, Paul says, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I call that amazing protection. How about you? Amen? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Jude one twenty four. to him who is able to keep you, to guard you, to watch over you, to keep you away from, to keep you under guard. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Dear ones, note, note that the power living in you, the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, is, a, is power that can destroy any fortress of evil that would come against your life. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Jesus promises you spiritual protection. Number five, Jesus promised you a spiritual family. All of us need to feel a sense of belonging in our lives. And that sense of belonging is usually identified with family. And as soon as I mention the word family, what do you think about? For some of you, family is a great thing. You think, wow, amazing family, the people I love to be with. For others of you, as soon as I mention family, oh, those are the folks I need to get away from. Okay. So family can run the gamut from really great to horrible. and All kind of great things happen in families. Amazing, wonderful things happen in families. And all kind of horrible things can happen in families. And the reason that we have such a mixed experience with families is because we're all a mixed people. We are, we're dysfunctional in and of ourselves. And we bring our dysfunctionalities into our families with us. And before long, problems exist there. For many times, those problems relate to feeling belonging or lacking that feeling in us. And at many times it relates to even parental issues that happen in life or sibling issues that get in the way and all kinds of things that can happen in families. But the good news is that when you are born again, no matter what your family is, good, bad, or indifferent, you're brought into the perfect family of God. You're brought into a relationship with a heavenly Father who loves you. You are made a part of a godly family. 
And no matter what your dad or mom might have been, you now identify with a father who is perfect, a father who loves you and cares for you. As we mentioned a moment ago, a God who is willing to provide for you. You are secure and safe in a spiritual family. You belong. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to know that you belong in relationship with God. And there's a tremendous security that comes when we get to that point in life to say, you know what? No matter what comes my way, I've got a Father who loves me. I'm a part of His family. That's why Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, 9. He says, start your prayers like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father. Notice it's not my Father. It is our Father. Because we're all, as children of God, a part of relationship with Him. You're my brother. You're my sister. I'm your brother. We belong together. That's why relationship with one another is vital also. That's why Jesus teaches us to love one another. Why? Because we're going to be together for a really long time. Okay, We're going to be together for eternity. And that's why he says, start learning how to love each other now. Begin to practice the love of God. Because this is your family for all eternity. So you practice the love of God and you identify with the Father. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. The Spirit you received did not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Dear ones, let me tell you today, if you'll listen deeply into your heart right now as a Christian believer... And any of those moments when you feel like maybe you don't belong or maybe you're not accepted, if you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, I promise you, if you'll just listen to the Holy Spirit inside of you, you'll hear that little phrase, you belong, you're a part of the family. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. In Psalm chapter 68, verse 6, here's the promise of God. God places the lonely where? In families. If you feel lonely today, the best thing to do is snuggle up to God and realize that He takes you in your loneliness and puts you into His family. The last stop on our tour today is we're going through the promises of God. What is this all about? Why did Jesus come? Why is Christmas a big deal? Jesus came to bring us back to God. Amen? He came to inspire us to live our best life here on earth, to breathe into us inspiration. But He also came to give us every resource we need to live. And one of those resources that God gives us as a part of relationship with Jesus is to know that we're going to have a life that goes beyond this life. That we're not living here in this life alone. All the things I've talked about so far today, they're wonderful, they're fantastic, they're for our life here on earth to make us joyous and fruitful and victorious. But the promises of God go beyond this life to the life that is to come. Because one day, as we talked about recently in this series, one day for all of us here, one day this life is going to be over with. And I like to regularly remind you of this, not because I have some obsession with mor uh, morbidity, but I want you to know that this life is not going to last forever. You're going to come to a place where this life for you and for me will be over with. And it's extremely important that you have something to hold on to beyond this life for eternity. How do I live with this, this awareness that I'm not going to be here forever? Well, I have to have a promise that I hold on to that gives me peace for my eternity. And Jesus gave us this promise multiple times. One of the most familiar verses in all the Bible is John chapter 3, verse 16. And I want to share it with you again today, but I want you to listen to it as though you've, you're hearing it perhaps for the very first time. 
The scripture says, Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Let me stop there just for a moment. The God so loved the world. When I was in Sunday school, uh, multiple Sunday school teachers as a little kid taught me this. They said, you know what? Every time you read that verse, instead of reading the world, put your name right there. For God so loved Dale that he gave his one and only son. That, whoever, that when Dale believes in him, he shall not perish but have everlasting life. So suddenly I took the world out here and it became very personal. God so loved me. God so loved, put your name right there. In fact, why don't we practice that together? God so loved, you speak your name. That was about like 5% participation. Okay. Let's go a little heavier than that. You ready? God so loved, Dale. Now think about it. God so loved you so much that he created Christmas. He sent his son into our world for you. If you were the only person that ever lived, God would have done this for you. God so loved, again, there's your name, the world that he gave his one and only son. He sent Jesus into our world. That's what we're celebrating. This is why Christmas is such a big deal that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. John 10, 28 and 29. Jesus said, I, gave, I give them, notice I give, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Don't you love that passage? John 11, 25 and 26, Jesus said to her, this is to, to Mary, Martha and their experience with Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die you get that they will live even though they die they face physical death and whoever lives by believing in me will never die do you believe this Jesus said that if you will believe in me you will never die now he's not talking about you'll never face real death here physically on earth but he's saying when you believe in me the moment of your last breath here, the time that you give up your life here, you transition into something that you already have, and that is eternal life. You're not waiting to get eternal life. You have already received it in your life. In John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, the Apostle John, at this old age, he's probably 90, 95 years of age when he writes these words, so he's giving some of the most important things to people that he loved dearly to Christian believers and to us today. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Do you believe in the name of the Son of God? Do you believe in His name? Do you believe that He's the Savior of the world? Do you believe that He died on the cross? Do you believe that He rose from the grave? Do you believe that Jesus lives today? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is coming back again as He said He would? Do you believe in the name of the Son of God? This is written to you. The scripture says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, why does he write them? So that you may, what's the word there? Know, know what? That you have. Not you're going to get. Not it's a possibility. Not we'll wait and see what happens. Okay? No. He says, I'm writing these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So that, the reason I'm writing this, so that you can... What's the word again? Know that you have eternal life. 
I love that word know because the word know there in the Greek language is a word that speaks of an assurance, an absolute persuasion, something that you know is absolutely true. You know because you know because you know because you know because you know that you know. And there's no doubt about it. You know that you have eternal life. There's certain things that I'm not sure of. I don't know if I know about this or not. I'm not sure if I'm fully aware of certain things, things I don't know at all. But there's some things I do know. You bring me a red sweater and a blue sweater, I know which one's red and I know which one's blue. Amen? I know because I know because I know because I know. You don't have to, I'm not going to get in an argument with you about it. I know this one's red and this one's blue. I can tell the difference because I know by experience, by teaching, which one is different, the difference of the colors. Now, in, in the same realm spiritually, or in a different, different realm spiritually, I should say, there are certain things you ought to know way down inside of you that nobody can shake you from. That you're so convinced on the inside. For example, I know that I know that I know that I know that Jesus is the Son of God. I know that. I'm totally convinced. You could not convince me otherwise. I know that I know that I know that I know because I know that Jesus died on the cross to deliver me and save me from my sins. I know that on Calvary, the sacrifice and punishment was taken by Jesus for every sin I've ever committed. I know that. I know that I know that I know that on Easter morning when Jesus Christ came up out of the grave that he came up victoriously and he conquered death, hell and the grave that he's no longer dead. I know that Jesus is alive. I know that I know that I know that I know that Jesus is alive. He's just, he's as real to me as anyone sitting here. I, I know he's alive. I know that. You couldn't convince me of anything else. But I'll tell you something else I know. I know that I know that I know that I know that I know because I know that if I were to die today, I already have eternal life. I have it, okay? It is mine already. I'm not waiting to get it. I already have it. Now, why is this important? Because when you live with that awareness of what you already have, it frees you with a sense of security in living in the now because you know where you're going in the future, okay? You're not worried about your future because you already know it's settled. The issue is taken care of. And so that's one of the things that helps you, will help you to live your best life now is if you know that your future is already secured. And I know that no person can take me out of my Father's hand. No one can snatch me out of my Father's hand. I'm secure in Him. I belong to Him. And I know that I know that I have, not that I hope to have, not I hope it all works out when I get there, now, I know that I have eternal life. Why is Christmas such a big deal? We just came to a conclusion of the tour bus today, okay? And I took you on six stops of the tour bus. A lot of scriptures I realize that I gave you today, but you need to be instructed in the scriptures, amen? You know what's true? I know that I know that I know that the Bible is true, okay? And I know that I know that I know that if you learn these scriptures, it will bring amazing peace and strength to your life. And Jesus came the big deal of Christmas, he came to get you back to God, to bring you back to him. He's the bridge to God. If you're here today and you don't know God, I'll show you exactly how to get, how to get into a relationship with God. Accept Jesus. It's as simple as that. He's your way back to God. Jesus came to inspire you to live the best life you could possibly live. There's stuff in you that you don't even realize is there that Jesus wants to bring out of you for his kingdom. 
And Jesus came to give you everything you need to live for him fruitfully and victoriously. Christmas is big. It's a big deal. And that's why we celebrate. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you today for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word that instructs us, that guides us, that helps us to learn how to live for you. And I pray in Jesus' name that you'd help us, Lord, to embrace the bigness of Christmas, the reality of what it is. And I pray that if there's someone here today that has not received you as Lord and Savior of their life, or they haven't let you inspire them to be their best person that you want them to be, or maybe they haven't realized all that you've given, I pray that this message today and this series would allow them to get to that place in their life of leaning into you and upon you like never before and bearing the fruit that you want them to bear. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Settle it in our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.